All right, what's up, everybody? I think we're live on both. What's up, everybody? My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. We're on episode 95 of Goals and Updates. Just want to get Instagram updated. <clears throat> we're on 95 episodes of Goals and Updates. Let's see if I can fix this audio. And uh, we're aiming for 100. We're almost there. We're five episodes away. <clears throat> I feel pretty good. Like today, I haven't really felt that great uh, for multiple, you know, multiple reasons of things going on. But <clears throat> today, I f or right now, at least, I feel really good. Only for the fact that I got some food in my system. I'm ready to go. It's episode 95. I get pretty amped when I do these uh, these podcasts on goals and updates. And since I'm almost at 100, Wednesday would be 96, eight. So in two more weeks, we should hit 100. So I believe. Two weeks from Wednesday would be the 100th episode because I do two a week. So unless I get a guest on here and I end up doing like an extra episode because it didn't fall on a Monday or Wednesday, which will probably end up happening, the next person I'm trying to get on here is my friend uh, Riker, who I definitely want to get on here. That's that's definitely a goal of mine for uh, goals and updates to get a featured or guest host or co-host, as I should say. Definitely get my friend Riker. I've been reaching out to two other people right now to see if I can get them on because they live close. I think, I believe, I know the one person still lives in Coral Springs. I don't know about the second person, but that the second person would actually be a better person to get on here only for the fact that I haven't, I haven't talked to that person in a long time. The other person, the first person I'm kind of mentioning, not, not Riker, but the other person, the two people that I'm mentioning, uh, the one person would, would still be a good person to put on the podcast but I've obviously, I've seen him, um, you know, I see him every once in a while, but the, the other person would be a great person because it'd be me catching up with him at the same time, bringing you some fresh, uh, you know, a fresh face to this, to this podcast as a feature. And he's someone that is actually pretty, pretty interested or interesting, I should say, because uh, I did a lot of different things with him back in high school, like BMXing. He was actually a phenomenal BMXer. Uh, he, he, he did a lot of cool things that, you know, I didn't, some of the stuff I, I did with him, but most of the time, you know, I, I didn't really do some of the stuff with him. So he'd be an interesting person to get on this podcast. I definitely want to get some other people in mind, which, you know, I'll do in time. But my, my main one right now is to try to get uh, my friend Riker on here because he, he actually has a really good story that was actually pretty motivational that he had to overcome, which I'm sure he's probably still kind of battling some of the stuff from it. But it, it would be a good story to put on on this you know, on this platform, goals and updates, because it's very motivational. Uh, he was told certain things and he, he overcame the odds uh, from what a, a doctor told him. So it'd be a pretty awesome thing. Plus, I, I you know, as a, as a friend to him, I definitely want to get him on here. So um, I'll keep you updated on that. How we normally do this show is I go and I update you guys on my life in the beginning. Then we go into two topics. The two topics I picked out today are going to be you do things when you have to. The second topic is what, what, are interrogations really? And then we'll go into done deal investments and then we'll wrap it up. So the updating portion on this, the updates I can bring to you guys today, I don't have like a ton of updates, uh, you know, this week, but some of the things I can update you guys on is I got, I got approved for my first ever overtime for those who, you know, most people should know what overtime is, but if you don't, overtime is basically, uh, if you, you have to work a certain amount of hours and then it's considered overtime after those hours. So I believe I have to work 40 hours a week and then any hours over 40 hours that are approved are considered overtime. 
And I, I think how they do it is I've never gotten paid overtime, at least with this company before, but pretty sure how they do overtime is they do like time and a half on top of your regular pay. Uh, so I think um, if I had to do it on my own, I definitely think, I think I'd be around like 20, 25 or 20, uh, 20.25 an hour, right. For overtime. So I ended up doing, I think like, I think like nine hours of overtime, which I guess isn't that bad, but uh, they're really stingy when it comes to giving out overtime. Uh, And they told me before, like a couple of people I worked with said that they used to give out overtime a lot over the summer, but I think they've also, I don't think they've had the, you know, the numbers have not been the same since last summer. I don't know if it's because they're doing precautions or if it's just because they're not doing as much business as they were doing over the summer. You know, I don't, I don't personally know. I just know they keep telling us that uh, be prepared for overtime, be prepared for overtime. And this is the first time they gave us overtime. And it really, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of overtime, right? It was just the weekends. And, you know, I work anyways on Saturday, ended up doing like two hours extra on Saturday. Sunday, I ended up working, I believe it was like five or six hours, right? But, and Sunday was weird for me because it was like the first Sunday I've ever gone into work like that. What's up, Eric? Uh, This is the first time I've ever gone into uh, overtime like that on a Sunday. So, at first, it was very, very, like, it was, it was pretty cool, like, dressed up in a shirt and tie, and I got, you know, I got rid- I got criticized for that hard, because uh, there's a lot of people doing overtime at my company, in my department, at least. I think my department was the only one doing overtime, but <clears throat> everyone was basically there besides maybe, like, a handful of people, but it was funny, because they're like, yo, it's Sunday, why are you wearing this shirt and tie? And I'm like, I, and I, it was kind of funny, too, because I told them straight up, I'm like, I'm like, yo, the reason I wear the shirt and tie is because I do what you're not going to do. So I'm like, I know you're not going to wear the shirt and tie, so I wear the shirt and tie. And at first, he didn't understand what I was talking about. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, of course I'm not going to wear a shirt and tie. He's like, I, I don't want to wear that. And I'm like, exactly. That's why I'm wearing the shirt and tie on a Sunday because you're not going to be doing that. So that's why I'm wearing the shirt and tie because you're not. And, he, and I, don't, I don't think it, it kind of resonated with him at first. I think they kind of, they just kind of like laughed, but it was kind of, it was actually really funny because I, you know, I, I said it to him like, yeah, the reason I'm wearing the shirt and tie on a Sunday working overtime is because you're not wearing the shirt and tie. And I just thought it was so funny because he didn't, he didn't understand what I meant. And he was just like, yeah, of course I'm not going to wear a shirt and tie on Sunday. Yo, it's Sunday. That's my, it's technically a rest day. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm wearing it. And it was just so funny. He didn't get it. But uh, the point the point that I wanted to kind of make on that is, you know, I felt really good on Sunday going in for overtime, working extra, extra hours. And then halfway through, I just mentally, it, it got to me. Like, it, like, I'm not, I'm not scared to tell you that either. Like it mentally messed me up. Uh, like when I was working after a certain point on Sunday and I think what got me, it wasn't even the work. It was, I went on Instagram and I was looking at a feed and the feed messed me up mentally. And so I'm still kind of battling some of that today. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't know exactly what I'm battling today, but it's kind of like one of those things where I, you know, I went through the feed, I saw something and I was like, I was like, damn, right. I got jealous. I was looking at this feed and I got jealous at this person for posting whatever they posted. I'm not going to, you know, blast anyone on here, but I was watching some, I was looking at something and I just like thought to myself, like, damn, yo, why is that person able to go do this? And I'm still here, 
right? So I got jealous. So it was one of those things where I talked, I talked about before on topics where jealousy is like, it, it, it's, it's one of the, it's the worst things you could possibly go through is jealousy. And I, and I, you know, I get jealous sometimes. And I think, I think it's natural for people to get jealous. It's just, do you let that jealousy take over or do you overcome the jealousy? And the whole entire day kind of killed my vibe. Like halfway through, I was working, and then I get a 15 minute break. So the 15 minute breaks, the 15 minute break, I went out and went to go eat, and that's when I saw the feed, and it just it killed all my energy. And it's crazy how just looking at one thing on a feed on social media will disrupt your whole entire your whole entire day. And I think it even carried on until today because I started getting, you know, I got a little bit of, uh, I got a little bit of depression yesterday. It was like weird. Like just looking at that feed and, and questioning a lot of things, and I'm like, I'm like, damn, right? So I'm basically battling myself, which is the worst thing because you're battling yourself. So you know, it, it it's one of those things that you know that you're in the wrong, right? Like I knew 110 percent the whole entire day. I'm like, it's just me mentally, like messing my whole entire thing up. But for some reason, I couldn't overcome it, right? Because when you're, it's the hardest battle is when you're battling yourself, and. I couldn't really overcome it. Came home after, you know, worked like five hours. Didn't even work that much. That was the funniest part. I worked like five hours of overtime. Came home. I like went, you know, I went, I probably ate dinner and then I went and, and watched Netflix and it was kind of funny. What, uh, uh, what's up, uh, Fatima Shana? I probably butchered the hell out of your name, but I'm sorry, but what's up? But, um, but the point that I'm trying to make here is that, you know, I was battling myself and I came home, watched some Netflix, and funny enough, I was watching uh, Stranger Things for anyone that's you know a Stranger Things uh, fan. And I was watching it. It got to the end, and the ending was so depressing that it even it actually made me go into worse depression after watching it because I you know I was watching you know the, the whole I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but the ending like completely put me into a deeper depression, <laughs> and I was like, damn. I was like, this is not, this is probably not the best thing to watch going through this right now. And I'm watching, you know, I get, I get through that and I end up watching, uh, I don't know if anyone knows, I might even be called, you know, like some guys might be like, what the hell is he watching this for? But I was watching uh, Riverdale, just going into the next Netflix, the next Netflix episode, right? And I ended up watching, I think, Netflix for like three hours, which, you know, it probably definitely did not help, help my, uh, you know, mental state at that point. But watching that, I ended up passing out. I woke up and I still kind of had this lingering like depression that I was still fighting. So I went into work and I didn't even think I gave, you know, the thing that sucks is when you're battling yourself, you tend to like lose in different areas of your life. And that's what really sucks because today I didn't, I'm telling you, I didn't give it 110% today at work. I know for a fact, uh, you know, I had like the lowest count I think of emails that I hit and it was because, you know, the whole entire time I was trying to overcome it whatever I'm going through right now, whatever this is, and I'm trying to overcome it. <clears throat> and, you know, just like, it just seems like you're losing in every battle of, every, you know, your everyday activities. And that was something that was bothering me the whole entire day was trying to figure out what's going on mentally with me. And I'm trying to get through it. And I just sabotaging everything I did today. So it kind of sucked, but that's kind of something I'm going through today. You know, I'm doing this episode. I feel a lot better because now I'm probably doing something that I actually want to do. Uh, rather than working a job where it's kind of just paying the bills and I'm trying to, you know, maneuver through it and create other, other ways to make money rather than going to a nine to five. So, you know, it's probably, it probably didn't help me in that, you know, that, that mental state of mind, but 
I'm a lot better right now. But the point that I wanted to do is like update you guys that, you know, I still tend to hit certain points where I can't get through it. And sometimes it's a challenge. Like it's, it, it, it's a real challenge sometimes for me. And that's kind of why, you know, I wanted to create goals and updates was because I wanted to help bring content that would help people uh, see that, you know, a lot of us go through some of the same stuff, whether you want to admit it or not, everyone's human, at least, uh, you know, your movie stars and, uh, you know, anyone that's famous or has some type of uh, following or, you know, publicity, they're all human. They end up going through pockets of, uh, you know, depression or they go through pockets of different, you know, mental battles that they have with themselves. And the hardest, the hardest battle that you can go through is actually battling yourself. It's really the hardest thing that, that you can go through. It's not even like the outside world. It's not, you know, work. It's not, um, it's, it's really battling yourself. Like 90% of any battle is really you battling yourself and you're trying to overcome it and outdo yourself. And that's the hardest thing for me is I get to these places where I'm trying to outdo myself and then I get, I'm really hard on myself. So if I don't achieve something, kind of, it kind of backfires on me and I'm like, damn, I should have got, I should have done this. I don't know why this person's getting this and I'm not. So it's kind of, you know, then that's kind of what happened. I went on Instagram feed, which, you know, I, I don't really go on social media. If I go on social media, it's normally for business or I don't really look at feeds. I don't really go on other people's stuff. And that's something that, you know, I messed up that, that particular day and it messed up, you know, every, like yesterday and today. So that's something that I got to work on. So that's one update. Some other stuff I can update you guys on is I'm still working on Podbean, which is going to be a platform where I can distribute uh, all the podcasts. So I'm trying to get, we're obviously on episode 95. So we still, you know, I still, um, I, I don't even have 10 episodes on there yet. I noticed that I went through some of them and I think like three, four and five for some reason don't have audio. Like it downloaded the episode or the audio, the MP3 but it didn't put the sound on. So I got to figure out the best way to convert them and move them into Podbean. And I'm going to try to do 10 episodes a week. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't end up doing the 10 episodes last week. I got, I think I got seven episodes downloaded, but like half of them are not working right now. So I got to figure out a better way to download that MP3 or convert them. Because when I convert them, it's MP4. Then I got to convert them into MP3. And then I upload the MP3 onto Podbean. So, and I got to do some maintenance on it too. Like I got to fix the background pictures. I got to update the, the theme of it. I got to, you know, I got to do little things to make it more, um, more visual for goals and updates. And once I get, you know, the first 10 episodes on there, I'll start promoting it a little bit more and I'll start, you know, every, every single week I'll start trying to get 10 episodes up, 10 episodes up, 10 episodes up. And I'll make that like a, you know, goals and updates goal or personal goal. It's really personal. Cause that's, you know, this stuff is personal, but you know, that's, that's, that's one of the big goals I have is I, I want to get that pod being working as fast as possible. And that way I have audio and then eventually work on the RSS feeds and get it on iTunes and get it on different platforms. And I got to figure out iTunes. So not iTunes, YouTube, I'm sorry, YouTube. So I got to figure out that too, where I can splice the videos, put those up. I have a feeling YouTube's going to be easier because I just splice it and upload the videos. Not hard YouTube. Uh, the pod bean thing seems a little tricky because I got to download MP4 convert it to mp3 and then upload it and it doesn't sound bad when i explain it but for some reason my conversions are not converting properly and it's not producing the audio quality onto podbean for some reason so i got to figure that out but anyway so that's that update podbean you know coming out soon where i'm going to have audio versions of each goals and updates 
probably going to take me, you know, a decent amount of time because I'm on episode 95 right now. We're aiming for a hundred and, and, you know, every single week we're continuing it and producing more content. So it's going to be something where it's going to take some time. So I'll update you guys on that. I think I'm going to update you on anything else uh, personal. I think that's basically everything I can update you guys on. I haven't really, the overtime thing was a pretty big one because I haven't hit overtime yet with this company. And that's going to, you know, that makes a lot of extra cash in my pocket. So uh, the other thing I want to do too, which I guess is an update is I've got to buy a stand for the second microphone for goals and updates. And then the next big thing I guess would be like scenery, which I, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't really know like scenery that I want for the background of goals and updates. It's something that, you know, hasn't even really crossed my mind because I can't really, I can't, I'm not making any money off goals and updates. So there's no way I can do right now, like a studio, like a lot of like these famous pod uh, podcasters like Joe Rogan, um, you know, different ones that you probably watch that have like a studio, you know, they're making money off of their podcast. And so they can go and afford to go pay for like, you know, a lot of them too have like a studio in their house. Like I'm sure that studio that Joe Rogan's normally in is like part of his house. Right. And it's just like a portion of his house where he just has like a studio there and they just, they just, <laughs> they just film at his studio, right. In his house. Um, I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't even think I've ever looked that up or done it, but most of them do have like a little studio or a section in their house and they just kind of use it. Um, some of them do rent out studios and stuff, but you know, that's something that I can't do right now. I'm not, I'm not that big. I, I don't have the, I don't have the cash flow for it. So I can't, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not there yet. But, you know, the next thing would be scenery. But I'm going to buy a stand. I'm gonna, the next thing, too, is try to get more uh, co-hosts on here. So I'm going to do my best. I have a bunch of people mapped out in my head that I want to get on the show. And I just got to reach out to them and just keep on following up with them. Because the th I pitched it to a couple different people. The problem is that either the show is not, it, the show's not big, right? Like, I don't have, like, a massive following or anything. So... It's something that maybe um, it's something that maybe would convince them to be like, oh, it's probably not really worth my time. But I've had people where I I pitched it to them and they're like, yeah, sure, I'll go on. So I just got to follow up with certain people and get them on here. I just got to somehow figure out the time and everything and just pitch it to them and get them on. But uh, I'm gonna order actually after I get off this pod or this podcast part, I'm actually or this episode, I'm gonna go and try to do and order that, uh, the stand, uh, for like a co-host. So we have two microphones that are set up and it's easier to, you know, instead of someone just holding the microphone, like I had the first ever person I put on here, I think was Sterling and Sterling had to hold, hold the microphone and the microphone is very, very sensitive. So he was holding it way too close. And then the mics pop in, he's holding it too low. You can't really hear him. Uh, you know, he, you tend to, when you're holding a mic and you're talking for about an hour, you tend to move the mic around and the microphone, you know, microphone goes all over the place. So you, you kind of can't, it's kind of easier to have like a stand and just put the microphone there and they just talk. The microphone just picks it up. So that's what I'm going to do after this episode is I'll get a little mic stand and then figure out how to set it up properly. And then uh, we'll get that going. But I think those are all the updates. We'll go into the first topic, which is going to be, you do things when you have to. Now I came up with this topic because I was thinking to myself, you know, most of the times I got myself into trouble I got myself into situations where uh, either I financially couldn't do it, right? Like I've had a couple of situations where I financially could not do it or 
I, um, you know, I got a job and I thought, you know, they gave me a task and I'm like, yo, I've never done that before. It seems pretty out of my reach. I don't think I can do that. And somehow I managed to overcome it and, and figure it out and do it. And what I realized is most of the time when you're put on the spot and you're put into a position where it's either do or die, or it's put, you're put into a position where you're either, you either have to give it a hundred percent and try to figure out a way out of it and conquer it and achieve it, you tend to figure out the way because you're kind of forced to, right? It's like if, um, it's like, uh, if you moved out of your house for the first time and you're like, damn, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to eat. My mom normally cooks my meals and you're like, you know, I don't really have too much money and I don't, I can't really cook and I kind of don't know how, you know, I don't really know what to make. You're going to figure it out, right? You're going to somehow figure out how to, you know, basically strain the cash that you have and go and purchase certain things, whether you have to go to, uh, you know, the dollar, the dollar store and buy utensils, uh, or if you have to, you know, cause we're talking about food, the utensils you're probably going to need to cook. So most like when I first started off, when I was in an apartment, I was like, damn, I got to go buy utensils. And I was living with someone to go buy utensils and I had to go buy food. And so what I had to figure out was we lived really close to a dollar tree and I'm like, okay, I can go get you utensils. Cause utensils are kind of like, you know, it's not, I don't have to go and buy like $30 um, pan. I can go and buy like a cut, you know, like maybe $10 pan and save, you know, about 20 bucks and go and buy like a dollar or like sometimes they do it where it comes in kits where you can go and buy different types of uh, utensils for like a pot or a pan for like a dollar or $2, excuse me, a dollar or $2. And I, you know, I bought a lot of utensils, a lot of cleaning supplies, a lot of diff, you know, paper towels, different things where it wasn't food based at like the Dollar Tree. And I would save, you know, a lot of money. And then I'd go to like Publix, which is right next door and I'd buy the food. And I did, you know, I, I tended to go with cheaper items. Now, you know, sometimes the cheaper items aren't always the best items to use, but I tended to buy cheaper items because I knew that I had a certain amount of money for that week or I had a certain amount of money to go and do it. <clears throat> and so I had to figure out how to stretch the cash a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I tended not to, you know, sometimes you tend not to eat too healthy because of that factor, you don't have enough cash to really do it. So, you know, I ended up doing that. But my point was at first when I looked at the money, right, I looked at money and I'm like, damn, I have to, let's say I had to, you know, I had like 30, say I had like 30 bucks and I had to go buy utensils and I had to go buy, uh, you know, food uh, for the week, not the week, but $30 for the week is kind of bad, but you know, $30 and I had to try to make food where I probably could have, you know, made it, made it in bulk and then kept it for like two or three days and reused it, you know, and, and had like a meal for two to three days. And I'd go and I'd buy it. And at first I'd be like, oh man, I only have 30 bucks. It's no way I can do this. And then I'd go and actually attempt it and I'd figure out a way how to do it and basically stretch it. Right. So that was kind of like one where I kind of figured where it was do or die. Right. Like in that moment, it was like, I'm either going to eat, I'm either going to figure this out and eat, or I'm not going to eat for the week. So it was kind of a moment where I kind of physically had to. Uh, the other one I could probably give you an example of was, uh, I'll give you one where it wasn't really money related. It was more of like work. It was because those are like more challenges. This one was 
I went and when I worked for the marketing department at Broward College, they gave me a task where I was like, I didn't know what the heck was going on. So they gave me this task where I've never worked on data analytics before. And I remember the first time they came, the, the person that hired me came to me and was like, hey, you know, this is kind of what I do. I, I run through the data analytic portion um, of organic and organic just means like it's not paid advertising. It's just organic leads. Um, they didn't really, they didn't really do leads at the marketing department. They did more of like likes and um, like retweets and different things within their social media through like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and like Google analytics for their, uh, their main um, enrollment page and stuff like that. And so, and YouTube is that a, they had a pretty big thing with YouTube where they had a playlist and they do a lot of like featured, uh, featured students, or they do like featured clubs or they, you know, they basically use it as a video platform for different clubs and organizations and, um, events and different things where they could promote it through YouTube because YouTube obviously is a pretty, pretty powerful platform. So that's what they were using it for. And I had to go on there and do like how many views we got and how many likes we got and how many you know, shared pages we got on different platforms. And at first I didn't really, like I understood how to, you know, what each item was or which platforms were for what and, and stuff like that. I had the knowledge for it, but I've never physically made a PowerPoint presentation, a professional one at least, because I, you know, this is a professional organization. This is a college that's been around since, you know, for decades. And I, you know, and I had to present some of this stuff too. So it was kind of a little bit nerve wracking when he came to me and he's like, Hey, you're going to have, you got to make this PowerPoint presentation and it's got to have this, 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 you know, and he's listing all these things. And so, you know, I would obviously use his PowerPoint presentation and I would try to adapt off of it. And then uh, eventually I would basically, um, you know, change certain items on it in different uh, perspectives of it or just change certain, you know, certain pieces of it on there. And I didn't, you know, at first I was really overwhelmed. Like when I was going through it, I mean, it was like a 50, it was a 50 slide presentation because we're going through all the platforms. And then we had like other areas that I had to go and work on and add it on. And then there was like these paid, uh, these paid advertisings on Facebooks. Uh, and they normally would run like four or five of them. And I had to like go on there and, and do that as well. And I've never done anything paid or, um, you know, I've, I've never done any of that stuff when I was working there. So I, you know, I was very overwhelmed at first. And then eventually what happened was I just figured it out. I just figured it out. I would look at his stuff and be like, okay, you probably got that from here. And, you know, the first one took me a, you know, decent amount of time. Like I'd say the first one took me four, like four or five days of really looking at it, really trying to find where he's getting these analytics from, um, put them, you know, put the analytics together and make it look presentable. If someone like, you know, someone that doesn't know data analytics, they'd look at it and understand the slides. And so obviously when I got, you know, I, done, I did them over and over and over again. I mean, it would take me about a day, maybe a day and a half to two days max. And I'd be able to, you know, run through it, grab all the data and put it into more, um, you know, chronological orders and, and be able to be like, all right, you want, like, let's say she wanted me to go to Facebook and be like, hey, this like these days were when we had this event, I want you to go through these days and pick out the data to show that we got this amount of engagement or we got this amount of likes, we got this. And I was able to do it within, you know, that like, like hours of her telling me that. And I was able to, you know, just go and pick it out real quick, put it onto slides. 
or PowerPoint presentation slides and then give it to her, right? So that was kind of like a, an element where it was very, very challenging at first until I actually learned it. And the reason I learned it was because I was forced to. Like I can't, I couldn't go to my boss and be like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how to do that, right? I mean, I could do certain elements where I'm like, hey, I'm not really sure where you got this, this, uh, you know, this information from. Can you show me? They would show me, but you know, I couldn't go to them and be like, Hey, I don't know how to do this. Like you're giving it to the wrong person, right? I can't, you can't do that. I mean, if you do that, then you're kind of toast because they're going to be like, well, figure it out. Right. They're going to be like, figure it out. But if I, you know, don't attempt it, it also looks bad on myself because it makes it look like I'm just not even going to try it, not even going to attempt it. I'm just going to run away from it. Right. So that was something where it took, you know, it took me a, a decent amount of time to get the hang of it. But once I did it, I was able to overcome it and I was teaching other people how to do it. And that was the funniest thing was, um, when we ended up moving campuses, I had to help the person that was going to be my boss learn how to do what I just told you. And it was funny because I'm teaching the person, right? I'm teaching the person how to do it. And the person is like, man, like I'm kind of confused. Like, I don't know how you're doing all this, right? Cause he wasn't, that wasn't really his, his skill. His skill was more of like social media and posting and his skill was not data analytics. That was my skill. So he kind of let me do all that. When I, when I ended up leaving, I don't know really who ended up taking over obviously, but for all that stuff, but I'm sure it was up to him, but it was kind of, he kind of would just be like, Hey, like, you know, you're going to run this stuff. Cause I don't really know how to do it. And he's like, I'm not really interested in it. So he's like, you can just do it. And I was like, dude, that's perfectly fine. I'm definitely, I definitely would do it. It's a good skill to have. So anyways, that was kind of something where, you know, eventually I got that, I got to a point where I could start teaching other people into it. And it was just fun. It was, it was, it's cool, but it's also kind of funny because I looked at it the first time I ever did, I looked at it and said, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do this. And then I was teaching other people that were coming into the organization or that, you know, that company. And I was helping them try to understand how to do it because I was so comfortable doing it. There was other stuff they gave me too, where they wanted me to do like specs on different uh, like billboards and different, different things, which I had no idea how to do. And it was, you know, at first I was kind of overwhelmed with that too. Cause I'm like, I don't, you know, every, there's so many different types of specs between like posters between uh they they did this thing where they printed out these decals they're called um they're decals but they're for like floor decals and they did them a lot at the college because kids would walk and they could put them in high traffic areas and when you go to step on it you would see it and it would be like a text message from sammy or it would be a tech you know like they'd do like these little skits and it'd be a decal on the floor so when you go to step you'd see it it's like it would be, uh, you know, it's marketing. It's like digital marketing almost, but it's not kind of as digital because you have to print it, but it's really not digital because it's not something that's on the computer or uh, something where you open up a device and you see it. But I would consider it probably, uh, it would be more, I guess, like printing, but digital in the sense that you have to, you know, you have to print it and then it'd be a big decal on the floor that you, that you would have to actually squeegee onto the floor, which I've actually, I've actually done it with uh, this one person that was working there, we had to go out and, and do the squeegeeing of the, the decals under the floor, which is pretty interesting too. But that was, you know, that was something that I didn't know how to do. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know how to get the specs. I didn't know how to do all these different things. And I'd go and I'd try to, you know, get information from different 
departments within there. So I'd go to like student life and be like, Hey, do you know, like the spec size of like that, uh, of that screen that you guys have out in front that monitor. So when we go and do digital, uh, digital like advertising and we put it on there for like, clubs or any events, like I have the proper specs for those clubs and they're like, yeah, I, we believe it's about this size and this size. Right. So that was kind of something that I had to do and it was up to me. They would give me these little projects to go do and I'd actually try to commit 110% and get the information for them and I would try to get it done within a reasonable time. The problem with that project was that I relied on other people responding back to me. I had to go and sometimes I'd actually like walk into offices and be like, hey, is this person in? I got to talk to them about this. Uh, they gave me a big one, which they gave me, which I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I could do it because I, I started figuring out I could do all these things. Right. Once I started overcoming these obstacles that I knew I probably couldn't, you know, I had no idea how to do, I started doing a lot of things that were out of, out of my qualification ranges. And the best one I can give you was they have these uh, portable charging stations where they're like tables, but they have like a, they have ports where you can plug in any device. Like if you, if you had a charger on you and you wanted to plug it in or you had a computer or a laptop and you had to plug it in to charge it, you could do that. They also had these cables running through them, which were different types of uh, chargers for like Androids, iPhones, uh, I'm trying to think, um, iPads, like different, you know, different charging cords or ports where you'd be able to plug in different, um, different types of devices at the table. And so what ended up happening was, I don't know if like students were breaking them or if they were just like cheap, uh, cheap cords and they ended up breaking when, when students were using them, but they had this part where um, all three sections at the campus I was working at, like all the Apple cords and some of the Android cords were broken and like the tips of them were broken. So they needed, we were having issues where the person that was in charge of like the library or the person that was in charge of an area, excuse me, where the stations were, <clears throat> excuse me, where the stations were, I, you know, they're having problems where like the people are getting complaints from the students that they weren't fixed and that they needed them fixed. And so what happened was I'm like, Hey, I go to my manager. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can fix those. Like they can't be that hard. I'm like, we have the manuals here. I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure looking at the manual that I can do it. I'm pretty good at following directions. I mean, I'm like, I built desks for you here. And the desks are actually probably more complex because they're in they're in small parts. Like you, you have all the screws, and you have all these uh, you know wood pieces, and you have you have these knobs. And then I'm like, you know, I have to use a hammer, and I have to use a screwdriver, and I have to use all these different elements. I'm like, I'm almost positive on these units. You probably just have to take screws out, and then it's just a charging cord. So there's probably a port where I can plug it in inside of these charging stations, and then we just buy new cords. And I'm like, I'll, I'm like, I'll do you, you know, I'll do you a solid. And I'm like, I'll go on Amazon, look up the cords. I'll get you pricing on it and we'll buy it in bulk and we'll actually save money buying it in bulk. And then I'm like, I'll just go and fix them for you. I'll go and find the manual. I'm like, you have the manual over here on this desk. I'm like, I'll just go. And then we just have to get the, you know, the equipment to open it up and I'll actually fix the cords and I'll solve your problem. I'm like, this way it's faster we don't have to rely on another department to do it. I'll get you the pricing, right? And I'll try to get you the cheapest I could possibly get it. And I'll basically go and fix these for you. And then that way the students don't suffer and these people will get off your back. 
because the problem was they kept emailing us and then I had to keep going to my boss and I'm like, you know, so I'm like, look, like we'll, we'll, we'll basically fix all these problems with me just doing this. So I'm like, I'll suck it up and I'll just spec out the stuff and then I'll go and I'll fix them. So I, um, you know, so that's what I did. I, I went on Amazon. I specced out the pricing. I would send it to her. She goes, okay, it looks good. Ordered the, you know, ordered the charging cords. Uh, most of them are Apple, by the way. Uh, for some reason, the Apple cords are breaking. And <clears throat> we order them or whatever. They come in the mail because they get mailed to us directly through our department. I get them, contact the guy that, uh, you know, was kind of bugging us a little bit about, you know, fixing them for the kids. You know, I get in contact with him, make an appointment, set it up, we go. I end up trying to fix the one unit and I had a little bit of trouble because of uh, security keys and stuff like that, which I had to go and order. I ended up, you know, talking to the company and I call, I cold called the company and I'm like, Hey, here's the deal. I'm like, we're trying to get this security key and I'm like, can't really have it. He's like, don't worry. I'll send one for free. Send it. Cause like we ended up buying, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're expensive, you know, charging ports. What they basically were was most of them. The one that I was trying to get into was, a charging port or station, but it had a uh, visual screen on it. So we would play our advertising through it. And so when kids are going to charge their, you know, their phones or their devices, they would see the advertising for like summer classes or fall classes or, you know, oh, this club's having this meeting this day and this time. So they would see all the advertising and events and uh, enrollment and all the different stuff that would bring the college more money or bring clubs together and grow. Right. So that's why they were kind of important, but they were really expensive. So they ended up sending the security key for free and I was working with them, you know, basically getting those fixed. And before I left the first, the, or the last week I was supposed to, you know, go to this new job that I'm at right now. I was like, I'll fix these for you before I leave. And that's what I ended up doing. I fixed every single machine for them. And then I gave her the security key and I'm like, here's the key. Here's the tools back. And, you know, I'm like, you should be good. I fixed all the charging ports. I fixed all the cables. And I'm like, you should be good to go. And so the point that I'm bringing up there is I, I you know, I knew nothing about those machines. I knew nothing about, um, even if I could fix it, I just, I just knew I had like, I just knew I could do it. Right. I was thinking about it logically. I'm like, I've done this before. I've done that before. It can't be much harder. I'm like, I'm sure it's just screws that I have to unscrew. And then I'm like, it's just charging cords. I'm like, it's not like I'm trying to refigure the whole entire electronical ports or anything like that. Um, and I'm just changing out cords. So, and what I did was I knew that that would be, you know, she would approve of that because I've done harder things for her. But at the same time, I knew that it would give me, you know, points because I'm like, it's basically cutting out the middleman and doing it for her directly. And then it gets the person off her back and it makes her look good. Cause we, you know, it looked like our department went out and did it. So I'm like, it's a win-win for everyone. Right. The, per the students win, the guy that's bugging us wins. Cause it's finally fixed. My manager's happy because I went and stepped up to the plate and did something that is not even in, you know, it's not even in my, my, uh, my subject line of even doing like, it's not data analytics, not marketing really. It's just, you know, fixing cords out of this, uh, out of this, this, uh, port. And so, you know, I knew she would do it and it would give her, you know, give her points and give me points. Everyone would win and it would go faster. So that's why I pitched it to her. Now, you know, that's something that I had no, you know, I didn't really have, um, knowledge on at first. I didn't know if I had the skills to do it. 
kind of, I kind of had an idea that I could have the skills to do it. But at the same time, it was something that I wasn't really sure of. And I stepped up to the plate and I did it. And the reason I did it was because I, it was either do or die kind of matter, right? It was either I'm either going to tell her I can do it and I can't do it, right? Or I'm going to tell her I can do it and I'm going to try every ounce of my being to physically go out and do it, right? So that was, that was something that, uh, that was something that I, you know, I had to really figure out how to do. And then really, you know, I, I had, you know, I made her the promise that I could do it. So that's kind of what happened when I made her the promise. I'm like, all right, I got to figure out how to do this. You know, when I couldn't get into the back of the key, I'm like, okay, like I can't tell her I can't do it. I'm just going to tell her that I got to call the company and see like what kind of key I need for this, you know, cause I'm like, I'm sure it's a security key. Like I was reading through the manual. I'm like, that's what it says here. And I'm like, so I got to figure out how to do this. So that's when I cold called the company, got the key, got them to mail it to us. At first they weren't going to mail it to us. At first I'm like, Hey, where can I get this? And they're like, Oh, you go on here. And I'm like, you know, I went on there and it, I, we don't need all these keys and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know if it's going to be the right key. I'm like, can you just send us one? And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll mail you one for free. Right. So I got the key, fixed the problem, moved on. And then I got bonus points, right. For doing that. So that was pretty cool. And that, that's something that I tell a lot of people like, cause that's, you know, that's my mentality always has always been, uh, you want to be an asset to your company. Most people would not have done that. And that's why I stepped up and I said, Hey, I'll fix this problem for you at that company. Right. I was like, I'll fix this problem for you because most people don't want to step up to the plate and be an asset to the company. They'll be like, Oh, it's not in my job description. I don't know how to do that. Right. I didn't say that. I just stepped up and I said, Hey, um, here's the problem you're having. I'll spec, I'll spec out the cords. I'll then go and get the equipment that I need and then I'll just go and fix it directly and we'll cut out the, the middleman basically and I'll just fix it for you. And I knew she was going to say yes. I wouldn't assume she would say no because I'm like, I'm helping her out. I'm going, you know, I'm going on a limb and I've built stuff for her in the past. Like I built desks way harder uh, than, you know, changing out cords in a, in a charging station. So I'm like, she'll definitely say yes, right? So that's, uh, you do things when you have to. Um, and most people can probably relate to that because, you know, money, money one is probably like the, the biggest one, right? Like there's probably times you're like, damn, I'm $20 short on something. And then you magically found $20 or you somehow saved money and then found $20 later on. You did something where, you know, uh, you did something where you found the $20 or you found that amount of money that you needed. Why? Cause you have to like, it's a do or die situation. It's like, if I don't have the $20 to go and pay this, I'm not going to have it. So you have to go and find it. Right. So that's, uh, that's where that topic, I, I don't know if I was watching a podcast and I found that topic, but it was just something that I came up with off the top of my head. You do things when you have to. Now, the second topic I'm going to talk about is what are interrogations really? And, and the reason I came up with this one, I was watching, um, I was watching like a Netflix. I think it was a Netflix original. Now, I don't know if this show is true, false, but it's not the point what I'm going to be talking about. But what the issue was, is they went around and they were trying to, it was back in the 1970s, I think, 70s or 60s before they knew about um, serial killers. And so what he had to do was he had to go and interrogate or interview these serial killers and try to understand why they were killing and what he ended up finding out was it was patterns, right? So he went and interviewed this one guy and this guy's like, yeah, 
I killed, you know, seven or eight people. And the reason I killed these people was because they were females and they were at the age of, you know, 18. They're, you know, around certain age groups or around, you know, he was targeting women, certain things, right? So he came up with, uh, he was one of the first people to come up with uh, the serial killer patterns because they were trying to, they had a problem where they had a lot of serial killers, but they didn't have ways to, of catching them. They couldn't figure out the patterns. So every single time people would get murdered, they knew it was the same person, but they couldn't really, you know, put the case to case to case. They couldn't put the pieces together. So he was interrogating these serial killers and he was like, hey, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And so it got me thinking about interrogations. And since my show, right, the goals and updates is all about mental, right? It's all about changing that negative, uh, you know, that negative mindset to a positive mindset. It's all about being, you know, mentally fit, right? I thought about interrogations and most people would probably agree that when you're going through an interrogation, right? Like let's say they think you committed a crime and they're going through interrogations they're trying to mentally get to you, right? They're trying to mentally break you down and they're trying to mentally get to you to get the answers they want. So if they think you committed, let's say a murder, since we're talking, you know, I, I was talking about serial killers, they think you committed a murder and you go into an interrogation room with them, they're gonna try to give you questions that are mentally going to kind of confuse you or mentally try to break you down. And the point of doing that is, is if they know they can mentally break you down, they can grab those answers, right? They could be like, you know, did you kill this person? And then you're like, yeah, I, you know, I did. And maybe you didn't do it, but they mentally destroyed you, right? You weren't mentally tough enough to outdo uh, the storm of questions. And they do like, and, you know, some people would probably be like, yeah, if I got interrogated, I could do it. A lot of people can't. And the reason is they, they emotionally attack you. They, they, they emotionally try to like, like go inside your mind and, and literally rip it apart. And that's why a lot of people, uh, that's why interrogations, I think, majority of the time don't really work. Uh, you know, sometimes they do, you know, and I don't, I don't know, statistically speaking, I don't know, like, how many were successful or how many weren't successful. Um, I don't even know if they could do that, statistically speaking, because how do you prove, how do you prove that it worked or it didn't work? You know, like, I don't even know how you would even prove that. But, you know, there's a lot of cases where people where people admitted to things in interrogations where they probably weren't really, uh, they, they probably didn't do it. Right. And that's because they weren't mentally tough enough to outdo the interrogations and the interrogator overthrew that and, and ended up making them confess to something they probably didn't do. I know for a fact, there's a lot of those. I don't know, statistically speaking, how many, um, you know, false confessions there are or how many real confessions there are statistically speaking. I don't, I don't know that. Um, I'm kind of curious. I might actually search that up after this. I don't, I don't even know if, if you can prove that, but obviously there's people that confess that, you know, went into an interrogation and, and probably didn't do the murder or they didn't do the crime and they ended up, you know, going to jail for a long time for confessing. So once you confess, it's kind of over. They kind of, they just use that against you. They use the interrogation video and say, Hey, you confessed to it. He's guilty. And they charge you for it. It's kind of really hard to kind of get, you know, overturn that. So, that's something that I, um, you know, was kind of interested in the whole interrogation thing. Cause that's literally what they're doing. They're literally trying to get to you mentally. And then they're trying to like basically flip it, you know, flip your mental state in reverse. So that way you start confessing to different things and they pull data from you and that, you know, 
I was watching that. I was watching that movie a lot or a TV show. It's, I think I'm pretty sure it's a Netflix original. Um, I kind of forgot the name of it, but if you went on there and looked up uh, like murder mysteries or whatever, it's a Netflix original. I don't think they have a season two yet, but the show is pretty good. I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't have a season two, but anyways, that's uh that's why, or what are interrogations really? Now that one is kind of short. Um, I don't have, the reason it's kind of short is I don't have a lot of information. It's just something I thought up of. I wanted to kind of get you to think about it because most people don't think about interrogations. They kind of just think of like crime and they think of, uh, you know, a lot of people think of like trials and court and they don't really, uh, they don't really think about the interrogation part. Right. But I did, uh, and I don't, I don't know where this one goes, but you know, who, who gets mad and doesn't, but I did end up watching, which was kind of uh, you know, a little weird, a lot of a different types of emotions kind of happen when I watch this, but I did end up watching uh, the Nicholas Cruz interrogation, a little bit of it. I didn't watch all of it. It kind of, you know, after, after a certain point of watching, it kind of does get to you, uh, like, like emotionally, like, it, it's not the most pleasant thing to be really watching, right? It's, it's not the most positive thing to be watching. You know, you obviously know that a lot of these people got killed in the shooting. And, and, you know, it's a very tragic thing that happened down here. But I wanted to, I don't even know how I came across it, to be honest with you. I think I was just on YouTube and it popped up. And I was kind of interested to see as I've never seen the person, uh, you know, like the shooter and stuff like that. I've never seen, um, I've never really seen any of these people before, or um, I didn't really know a lot of the people that were involved or the people that were in it. So it was, it was one of those things where I was kind of curious to go and watch. Cause it was so, you know, it happened so close to me. It's like a couple, you know, a couple, uh, a couple lights down, basically. It's not, you know, probably like 15 minutes away from my house. So, it was something where I kind of wanted to see what was kind of going on since it was so close to me. And it just so happened that it popped up. I was watching the interrogation and you could see that the, the weird part about it was you could see like the person's trying to be their friend, right? Like the, the interrogators trying to get, you know, trying to be his friend. Hey, you want water? Hey, you want this? Um, so it was kind of interesting because that's what they do. They try to, they try to buddy up with you and they try to go, Hey, like, if you want this, you let me know you want a sandwich, you want water, you want, you know, I'll get you whatever you need. And then when they give you that stuff, they go, hey, I gave you this. I'm trying to be nice to you. I'm trying to do this. Like, now it's time for you to give me information. And so it's, it's all psychological. They're trying to psychologically break you down, right? And, and, yeah, I'm sure you can go on YouTube if you wanted to, if you're really curious about interrogations and, like, this, this, the strategies and, like, how they do it and how they get people to talk. I'm sure there's YouTube videos or documentaries on it where they'll actually tell you what they actually try to do and how they, how they get to people uh, psychologically and how they break them down and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm sure you can go on YouTube and look up that stuff, but that's kind of like another thing, like that kind of like always resonated with me was, um, cause I, I also wanted to be a cop for a long time. Uh, back when I was about like 12, not maybe not 12, maybe older, maybe like 15, 14, 15, uh, up until, I want to say maybe like 17, maybe, but it wasn't that long. I went through this fra- this phase where I watched, uh, cops funny enough. And I was like, you know, I, I, that's, that's really making a difference if you could be a cop. And I just thought to myself, like, you know, it'd be a kind of, it, it looks like a cool job. And you know, at the time I wasn't really putting like all the factors together and different elements until I actually physically went and, and became a police explorer for Pearl Springs. And, 
I went through the training. I went through different things. They, they took us to the uh, police academy. They did a couple different things where they're like, hey, if you're going to continue and, you know, once you get out of high school and you, and you have to go to college and you want to go into the academy and you want to do this and you want to do that, this is what it normally takes. This is what an everyday life of a police officer would look like. And so when I went through some of the training, I realized, you know, maybe this isn't really what I want to do. And at the time, you know, it, back in that time when I was going through that, like it wasn't a lot of stuff that's going on now with police, right? Like uh, politically speaking, wasn't really going on. There wasn't a lot of pullback. There was a little bit, obviously, like there's certain people that obviously just don't like police officers and they don't, they don't like what they stand for and stuff, but not where it was kind of like today where they get a lot of, uh, they get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of bad treatment thrown at them. And, you know, on that topic, I understand a little bit of both sides. I, I do think one side's a little bit more extreme on it. Uh, but, you know, I understand like, like anything it's, it's, there is corruption in it. There is corruption in, in being a cop. And, um, you know, I do, I, I did see it a lot down here in Coral Springs, which is, uh, you know, it is kind of ironic cause it is very Democrat down here. And, the, you know, the, the police down here are actually very, you know, kind of, a lot of them, you know, I don't know all of them, but some of the ones that I kind of would run into or how they would handle different situations were kind of bad. And there was a lot of stuff that did happen, which was very, very corrupt, at least in the Coral Springs Police Department, which I'm not going to get into. You know, you can go read about that stuff. Uh, you could do whatever you want. I'm not really here to, to talk about that, but uh, different, you know, different things. So I kind of understand both sides on it, but uh, you know, you do have to have a police force. You do have to have police and you, and you do have to kind of respect them in a way. And the best advice I can give you is if you're, if you treat them with respect, they'll treat you with respect. So there's been a bunch of, you know, a bunch of uh, stupid times in my life where I got, you know, into different pickles uh, with a cop where I, you know, when in my teenage years where I did stupid shit, uh, with my friends and they let us go because we were nice to them. And that's all I can say. And obviously that's not for every single person. It could be luck of the draw. It could be, um, you know, some cops are very, very nice. And as long as you're not trying to lie to them or scam them or manipulate them, they'll, they'll work with you and they normally let you off with warnings or they'll give you like a minor ticket or they'll do certain things. But I've always kind of gotten, um, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of like, cause my personality, I kind of normally can talk to them and be like, Hey, like, I understand why you're out here for this. And I'm like, but you know, we're just doing this. And I'm like, we're not really causing harm. We're not really doing this. And I also knew that if you, you know, you did certain things, they, they would see that, you know, you're contributing to society. Cause most of the time, the people that that normally get arrested for the dumb stuff are people that normally aren't, they don't have jobs, don't have, you know, they're not going to college, they're not doing anything. And so I knew that if I, uh, I basically told them like, Hey, I'm going for this job where I'm, you know, I work for this company and I'm actually going to school and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I know this person, or I know that person. And I, you know, and I, I kind of showed them that, you know, I'm not, I'm not a kid that's trying to cause problems. I'm not a kid that's trying to like basically go out here and rob other people or, you know, do stupid stuff. Um, that I'm just out here and I'm just, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure my way through it. They would basically let you go with warnings and, 
you know, some of it was like underage drinking, like stupid stuff that everyone kind of does. Nothing like crazy, right? But I knew that if I told them certain things, I'd be, they'd be like, oh, he's not a nuisance to society. He's just someone that's, uh, you know, he's done, you know, he's doing something stupid that we've probably done in our past. And he's doing good things. Like he's actually going and he's got, he's got a job. He's going to college. He's doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. So my tip for you is, you know, it could be luck of the draw. Like I said, you know, you might have a, you know, an a-hole of a cop that's trying to get you on something. And even though you're trying to be super nice to him, he's kind of a, you know, an a-hole to you. I mean, it happens, right? It's everyone's human. I've had that. I've had that happen to me too before. Um, you know, and ironically enough, it was a, uh, you know, a really buff black guy or black cop that, uh, pulled me over and I, you know, it was the first time I was ever scared for my life. So I understand, you know, both sides of the coin on it. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, you know, you, you still need, uh, you still need that resource. You still need police officers. You still need, um, you know, certain things and, you know, it's a topic that, you know, eventually I'll probably cover when I, when I do other things, but it's not something I want to go down right now. But, um, but like I said, I do understand kind of like both sides on that, on that opinion. Uh, you know, I might not agree with everything on one side or I might, you know, but you guys get the gist of it. So that's what, uh, that topic is what are interrogations really? Now I'm going to do done deal investments. I'm going to wrap it up because I do have to do a speech. It's actually what I should have updated you guys on. I'm doing this speech for Toastmasters. Real quick, I'll update you guys on it. But I got to do a topic, or the topic I'm going to do is like three groups that take all your money as a as a speech. Now I got to go through pathways after I get off this. Uh, probably, I'll be honest, I'm probably going to try to hit the gym first. I just want to get that over and done with. Get to the gym, and uh, you know, I, I I'm trying to meet my weight goal. I'm trying to do different things, and plus the gym is definitely going to help me out with uh, you know the. the you know, trying to get through this stage that I'm going through right now, just working out on myself, you know, working on myself, basically going to the gym, running, take some stress out. But I came up with this topic a couple days ago where there's normally three groups that take all your money and it's government banks and wall street. And the reason, the reason for it is uh, not, well, not the reason for it, but th those are really, if you really think about anything you do, school, debt, um, investing. It, it's those three groups that make the most, you know, those are the groups that are in every single thing that society tells you to do or that uh, your money's mostly tied into at some point in time. It's these three groups that make a lot of money off the individual. So, you know, I was going to go through and do a talk. You got to create a, you know, a, a structure to present that topic or that speech tomorrow. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm a speaker tomorrow. And, uh, so that's, you know, that's something I got to do. So I got to wrap this up as soon as possible and get that done, go on pathways. Uh, by the way, real quick, if anyone does want to go to, you know, Toastmasters, you can go to the meeting tomorrow. It's at Denny's. It's, uh, in, it's in Fort Lauderdale, but it's in, it's at the Denny's on the intersection of Powerline. I believe it's Powerline and Oakland Park, Oakland Park, right? I think it's called Oakland Park is that is the, the other street that the intersection connects into. But um, if you want more details, just reach out to me and I'll actually send you the address of where we go. And it's at Denny's on the corner of that intersection. So if you want to just go as a guest, check it out. See if you want to, you know, participate in the club. Uh, get, it's all about public speaking. So what I'm doing right now is what that skill is going to help you. 
be able to talk in front of, um, and actually probably be better than what I'm doing right now on, on the podcast. It's actually going to be able to give you that skill to physically talk to live individuals, like go on a stage and talk to like hundreds and thousands of people, be able to go and present things to your boss, be able to go to present things in meetings on PowerPoint structures or slides. So, you know, it's a, it's a skill that most people don't think of and it's a skill that everyone needs. So if you want to, you know, more information on that, join us tomorrow. Um, it, it's at 7 PM. It goes from seven. We normally get done around eight thirty. probably, yeah, probably like eight thirty. So normally like an hour, an hour and a half. So reach out to me if you want more details on that. So we're going into done deal investments right now. So for anyone that doesn't know, my name is Tyler Dunn. I own a company called done deal investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. This company is designed to help a distressed seller and put them in with an investor. So that's why the, the slogan for done deal investments is where the deal is already done because we're creating, or I'm, my company is creating the deal for the, for the seller and for the investor. Now, the, the, the type of situations that the seller would be in that this would probably most likely work for, I shouldn't say most likely, will work for, uh, would be if you have liens in your property, if you have job transfer, if you have, you know, you're going through pre, what's the, pre-foreclosure, if you're going and you just have a lot of maintenance and you want to sell your property and you just know you probably can't get all, you can't get the, the, um, the max amount of money on the market for it. If uh, you don't want to go through a real estate agent, you've gone through a lot of real estate agents and you just, you don't want to go through the process of selling it. You want to sell it quick and you don't want to have to be charged commission fees or a commission fee, I should say. Dundee Investments would be the best one for you to do. Uh, to sell it extremely fast for a quick cash offer with a already set preset buyer or an investor. Now, or if you, there's two other ones that I missed. Um, foreclosures, if you know anyone that owns like a small bank where uh, they just own like a small bank and they're trying to get rid of all their foreclosures or just losing a lot of money on that asset and they just need to get rid of it. That's where Dundee Investments would help. Uh, the other one would be like if you inherited a property and normally it's from a loved one and they normally don't take care of the property. So there's a lot of maintenance. That's where done deal investments will be able to help. Or if you're going through a messy, messy divorce and you just want to sell the house fast, split it down the middle and basically buy out the other person basically by splitting the profits down the middle and giving it to the other significant other, right? Or, um, the, the partner, you know, the person that you're trying to get the divorce with, uh, and just give them the other half of the, the house or the pay, you know, the, the, Kind of messing this one up a little bit, but the sale basically. So, anyways, those are the the the, the big reasons why Dundee Investments would be able to help solve those problems, or those are the problems that Dundee Investments would be able to solve. Now, how this works would be a three-step process. I call it the three steps of financial freedom. The first step is you have to contact Dundee Investments. So you could either do email, phone, text, website, and fill out a form. Social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, whatever way you feel comfortable, I do recommend, if I had to recommend one, is phone call. Uh, just because I have to ask you some basic questions like the condition, you know, the different conditions that your property are in. So if you have broken windows, roof damage, mold, uh, the price of the property, if, if you know what it is. And just like other questions where it's going to ask you basically... Uh, what problem you're trying to solve. So out of all those things that I listed, whether you're just trying to not use a real estate agent, 
whether you're trying to get out of pre-foreclosure, liens, you know, divorce, any of that stuff, that's, you know, I have to know so I can help you get out of that situation or that problem and solve it for you. So, you know, it's going to be basic questions like that. Now we're going to go into step two. So step two would be, we set up an appointment for me to come to your property. I do a walkthrough. I go in, basically just do a walkthrough where I'm going and I'm looking to see of uh, cost for the investor. So whether it's roof damage, mold, uh, leaks in the roof, uh, just anything where it's going to be a cost to the investor where they're going to have to put capital into that property to fix it and then be able to put, you know, put it on the market for full market value. So that's basically all I'm doing. And then I'm taking five pictures inside your property and five pictures outside. Now, the reason I'm taking the pictures is I'm going to put, when I go and find you the investors, right, or the investor to put on to the deal, I'm just going to send them all this information. So I'm going to be like, hey, here's the 10 pictures of the house, of the property. Here's, you know, the estimate cost you're going to have to put into the property to basically fix it and flip it and sell it on the market. And, you know, here's estimately how much the property would be worth. So basically just catching them up to speed and trying to go through, you know, if I, if I can't find any buyers or investors on my list already for them to come to your property, then I have to go find you one. So that's where this stuff will, you know, speed up the cycle of doing that. And I can just send all this information. We don't have all this foot traffic going through your property and it just speeds up the process by using technology to do it. The third step, and now we're on step three. So now what we're going to do is once I get the investor on the deal and I get, you know, I go and run comps and I figure out how much your, your house is worth in the market in that neighborhood and I come up with the price, all I'm going to do with the price is we get the average value and we minus what the investor is going to basically cost, the cost of the investor. And that's what we're going to negotiate on is that price. From that point, what you're doing is now we're negotiating on, on that price. So we're going to negotiate on the price and the terms. And from there, all we're doing is once we come to an agreement on the price and terms, meaning like if you have to stay on the property for another three weeks, if you have to do X, Y, and Z before you can actually move or go into the next thing, this, uh, this would help you out, right? So this, that part of it, you know, once we agree to the terms and the price and everything, we go into contract where you, the seller would sign, I would sign for done deal investments. And then the investor that's put onto the deal would sign on to the contract. And it would basically at that point, the deal would be done. And then I would end up catching the investor, obviously up to speed with the terms and the price and everything uh, before they went into the contract. But my job basically is to make it so that you're comfortable in the deal and the investor is comfortable in the deal enough where he's caught up on everything that you need. So that's really like my main job is to make sure that both parties are very satisfied within the process and are basically on the same page. And that's where, you know, that's where, that's the whole point of done deal investments is it's helping someone that really needs help with an investor that wants to make money but at the same time wants to help someone out. And so that's what we're doing with this. Now, how, the, how both or all three parties would benefit is obviously now the seller would get the cash offer. Done deal investments would actually give them any resources they need. So if they need a real estate agent, they need a home inspector, they need financing. This is all stuff that done deal investments will be able to supply to them. And it's going to be obviously like other um, like third parties, 
like Dundee Investments doesn't have any of this stuff housed under them. It would be like third parties where I can give you recommendations and stuff. But, you know, my job is to keep helping you out um, as long as you kind of need it to get into another property. That'd be like my goal with Dundee Investments after the sale. But the, in, or the seller would basically benefit because they're getting the cash offer. They can now get out of that financial situation, move on to another property and, and, you know, financially won't be crushed by it. And some of the, you know, some of this stuff does affect your credit. So like if you went into pre foreclosure and lost your property, that destroys your credit. So this would be able to help that person from avoiding their credit being destroyed. Now the investor is obviously going to flip the property and make a profit on it. And, you know, obviously gain some profits uh, from selling it on the market for full market value. Now Dundee investments will win because we'll help that seller get out of the, the situation, help someone at the same time, we'll get a finder's fee or commission fee from that investor, right? So that investor will basically uh, be paying Dundee investments for putting the deal together and not the seller. So that's why it's really cool too, because the seller does not have to worry about paying Dundee investments. The investor will pay Dundee investments. That's the coolest part. Now, uh, you know, my goals for this company are to expand it, get it to a certain point where I can add different elements on it for more resources for homeowners, make the home buying process a lot shorter. Because right now it's kind of difficult because let's say you went to a real estate agent, that real estate agent has to go and find you the property, then they have to go get it inspected with the third party company. That now you have to, now let's say it's a good investment for that seller or that buyer. They now have to go and uh, find a third party company to finance it. Like a bank normally, uh, you normally go to a bank and get a mortgage and finance it or whatever. But the point that I'm trying to make is you got to go through all these different companies. Now, if I can house all those different resources under one roof and do a one-stop shop where, you know, now I, um, you know, now we get you out of your financial situation. Now we go and we get, we have some real estate agents that can help you out on our team. Now we have home inspectors that can inspect that home. Now we have um, financing department where they can give you the financing and make sure you get the best uh, interest rates and different deals on, on financing and get the best financial, um, you know, the less risk of a finance or interest and stuff like that. Make, you know, so the banks or whatever don't make as much money on that deal. Now, and you make more money on the deal. So that's something that, you know, I'm trying to put into the works. It's going to be, you know, I don't have like an estimate time. There's all different resources. Like, you know, I got to go and get real estate license. I got to go and get home inspection uh, license and qualified and insurance and different elements. So it's all going to take time to do that. But my point is that that's what I want to, you know, expand done deal investments into cut down the buying or the, the time for buying properties for buyers so it'd be, you know, something that would also help distressed sellers. It would help investors. It would help a lot of different niches out and make them money as well as, you know, trying to help the sellers out. So that's something that I want to do is expand it, get into home inspections, real estate agents, um, financing, different elements where it's all in one department, cuts down that time uh, for buying a property. And that's really what I want to try to do. So that's like the mission. That's not really a mission. It's more of like a, a goal that I want for Dundell Investments. So then that's everything with Dundee Investments. I have, that's basically it. So what I'm going to do is we'll wrap this up. I'll see you guys Wednesday. I'm trying to hit these things at seven. It's probably going to be close to like 7.30. But now I'm going to you know go to the gym real quick and then come home and work on this, uh, this speech for Toastmasters tomorrow. 
So I'll let you guys know how that goes Wednesday. So this has been episode 95 of Goals and Updates. We're almost at 100. I'm pretty stoked. And um, I think that's all I need to do. So episode 95 of Goals and Updates. My name is Tyler Dunn with Dundill Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Peace.